No House Advantage is taking a different spin on daily fantasy sports by offering player prop contests across the NBA, MLB, NFL, and PGA for cash prizes. This is an awesome new fantasy sports platform that's leveling the playing field and making it easier to win than on the traditional fantasy sports apps. Download the No House Advantage app and check out our daily player prop contests without having to make a deposit. Play in public guaranteed cash prize pool contests or create your own private contest with friends. Use promo code EDGE when signing up, and they'll match your first deposit with a $20 in free play. If your first-time deposit is at least $10, we'll set you up with a free PFF EDGE annual subscription. No House Advantage offers daily player prop contests that include all types of player statistics. Featured player prop contests combine players of different positions across several statistical categories. Compete against other users and track in real time as you climb the leaderboard. Download the No House Advantage app now using promo code EDGE, and they'll match your first deposit with up to $20 in free play. If your first time deposit is at least $10, we'll set you up with a free PFF EDGE annual subscription. Welcome in to the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. I'm Eric Eager. Uh, I'm here with who somebody who normally hosts the show, Ben Brown. We're going to talk. We're fresh off of a fun Tennessee plus 160, plus 150, maybe even if you're a big degenerate like me, plus 140, money line win, uh, a Tuesday night football. Since 1946, Ben, NFL underdogs on Tuesday Night Football are undefeated, not only ATS, but straight up. Ben, what do you have to say about that? Thank you, Joe Webb. That's all I have to say about that. So. That's right. Do you remember where you were during the Joe Webb game? So I don't remember vividly watching that game on Tuesday Night Football, but I remember the whole thing playing out, seeing like the constant loop of the Vikings Metrodome Stadium basically going under because of the snow. Um, and just thinking about how catastrophic that was. And then, yeah, so I don't actually remember really watching the Joe Webb game, but I remember, like, the whole entire situation playing out that it was just kind of a mess. It kind of summed up the Vikings season and maybe uh, their entire historic franchise at this point in time at yeah. that time. So I was, I was in a few leagues that year that I won, and luckily none of them had players uh, in Week 16 that had to play that. You know what I mean? Like, how yeah. bad of a beat would that have the been to lose? We, yeah. That's right. Because so, the Vikings were so bad that year, just, though, that it was like there was no fantasy relevance whatsoever happening just, in that game. Thank yeah, you. absolutely brutal. Um, but, yeah, let's – I think our focus today mostly uh, going to be on college football. Um, what's cool about this week is, though, even though we lost what I think will be a great Thursday night game um, in Buffalo versus Kansas City – we have, for the first time all year, Wednesday night football uh, in college. We also have a Thursday night game and then two Friday games. So even though the NFL appetite is not uh, quenched, um, you know, we will have football even for the next three nights into into Saturday and Sunday So and a doubleheader Monday. So uh, the rich get richer here if you're a, cons- a consumer of football, starting with the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers at the Louisiana Lafayette, or as I affectionately call them, La La, Raisin Cajuns, um, spread on this game seven and a half, total fifty-eight and a half. Um, ben, what do you think about this game? 
Yeah, I mean, it's basically held steady that opening spread. I think the total bumped up three points. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of a big Coastal Carolina fan in general, definitely in this spot. I think Grayson McCall is kind of a baller. Uh, they lead the Sunbelt in EPA per pass attempt by a pretty significant margin at this point in time. time. Grayson McCall is the second most accurate passer, according to our accuracy measurements and rankings in the conference, but he has also the fourth highest average depth of target. So he's a guy that I definitely think is popping up off the page um, quite a bit, just from, you know, basically our most stable metric, positively graded throws. He's at 48%, which is just absolutely lights out here uh, to start 2020. So I don't, think that Greenlight necessarily has Coastal Carolina as a significant value at plus seven and a half, but they're definitely a team that I'm uh, kind of looking at to target here on Wednesday night because I think we need to get just a little bit of degenerate action down here uh, with our first slate of Wednesday night football. So I kind of lean towards the Chanticleers at this point. I'm not really too impressed with Levi Lewis coming out of the gate for the Raging Cajuns. I know they've kind of had, you know, that one initial big upset against Iowa State, but that Iowa State uh, Cyclones probably aren't as good as we thought they were at that point in time so i'm not putting as much stock into that early season performance they're kind of not effective um throwing the football as well i think they have a negative epa per pass attempt so yeah. i i think if, unless they can get out ahead um i definitely think coast carolina can definitely hang with them and even if they have to probably get that backdoor cover at the end here to get under that hook on seven and a half so that's the spot that i would definitely be targeting here on wednesday night do you have any other do you have any you know leanings in this game or are you gonna just roll well, with the we got like so last week was sort of a roller coaster for college green line because we had value on Tulane um on thursday night and they they won first half and then got blown out blown and out then bad, and man. then we had value on the georgia tech louisville under on friday and that uh, that game the first half of that game actually made uh scott van pelt's bad beats um, it should have probably went under. If it was an NFL game, it would have been under because Georgia Tech would have ran out the clock. Instead, uh, the game goes over. So we're 0-2 going into Saturday. And and then we lost a, a decent number of the first games, but then we got some good money lines. We ended up up 7.3 units on the season. I think we're close to being up 30 units in college football. It's a different story in the NFL. Um, but college football, this has done well so far. I kind of like the fact that on, on Wednesday, and we'll talk about Thursday, we don't really have you know, a huge edge. So we're going to have to look at different places, I think, to find value here. And I agree. I think, you know, depending upon, you know, where you can get a first half price uh, for some of these games. So let me make sure I'm still logged in here. Um, so Coastal Carolina in the first half is catching a, a whole four points and minus 105 where I see it, plus 190 on the money line. I feel like that as a derivative bet is a fairly good place to look. Um, you know, in the first half. What do you think about that, Ben? Yeah, def I'm definitely intrigued by that because we've had, you know, some initial success on some of our posted derivative bets as well, and it's ones that we've obviously been targeting for a while just well, in expanding our betting portfolio, but I do like anything that's leaning towards the raising, or do is leaning towards the Chanticleers um, at this point. So when you were last week, bet. last week you were 4-0 on the derivative, on the Saw, you know the basically the derivative totals and the right. previous week you were three and one i believe so you're you're kind of spot on there um again a different story in the nfl but the nfl is harder to beat and you know i think that there's fewer games so variance i think has its way a little bit so let's go to thursday night football now again like i said it's not going to be buffalo kansas city we're going to get the georgia state panthers against the arkansas state red wolves now I will say this. I got this number, Ben, at four, um, and I believe I took plus 160 on the money line. 
Um, those numbers are no longer available. I think it's three and a half right now. So I do lean Georgia State here. Our, again, our model no longer sees any value on it. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I've been a little bit more of a fan of Arkansas State here in 2020. I do kind of like what Lane Hatcher uh, at least flashes at certain points. He's not afraid to huck the ball deep. I think the problem basically being is 21% negative the graded throws. But he's kind of in this like weird quarterback uh, rotation situation. I'm not, I'm not even quite sure how it's all fleshed out at this point. Um, but so from that situation... I think I would lean towards Georgia State as well, but I'm not really that comfortable backing Cornelius Brown from the Georgia State side either. I think he has like 7.2% of his throws are turnover-worthy plays. He's last in the Sun Belt and EPA per pass attempt. Um, so just from that perspective, especially yeah. if they get down early, I would be a little more hesitant and worried to be on the side of Georgia State. Um, it's unfortunate our model kind of sits, you know, at this three and a half point spread. It's kind of basically um, a draw according to our implied value for what side to actually back. So, again, this is kind of a one that um, we don't really have too much difference with what the market's actually saying at this point. So I think even though it's probably an intriguing matchup um, on Thursday night, I'm not, I'm not sure it's going to offer too much betting value. Here's, here's one place I would look, though. You look at the Sun Belt rankings, right? Arkansas State poor on defense, they're ninth. Georgia State pretty good on defense, they're fourth. It's kind of flipped on the offensive side. So Arkansas right. State second, Georgia State seventh. Total on this game is 71 and a half. Right, which is outrageous, it seems I, like. I, I think that that's where you sort of want to look. Total in the first half of this game is 37 minus 105. So it's shaded to the first half to over, basically. That's right. And and when you look at sort of some of these things, and again, all these are available to you at PFF Greenline with the PFF Elite subscription. Uh, the only thing that Georgia State has going for them, I mean, both these teams are over 75 plays a game, but Georgia State is running the ball 56% of the time and throwing it 44% of the time, and they aren't that effective throwing it. If they can run the football and sort of slow this thing down, I do think there might be some value at least, at, you know, on first half totals here with the 37 and a half. Yeah, it seems like that price almost has like some sort of significant turnover situation occurring, not necessarily being like a pick six, but at least something that's going to lead to a relatively quick score for the opposing team's offense. Um, just with how perpetual we've seen these guys actually throw big uh, turnover-worthy plays. So um, I do think that probably if you're going to lean towards something, I would lean towards that first half under, like you described. I do think that the lean in general from the betting market seems to project out more points in the first half so starting slow like you said maybe georgia georgia state tries to get out here to um at least slow the game down a little bit keep arkansas state off the field so i do think from that perspective we could see uh the under come and play here especially in the first half but i don't really hate the full game under as well here yeah i yeah that's a good point i mean the only thing that hurt you know is a little bit interesting interesting to me is 37 you know that's a 74 full game um nice. It does look like they think that one of these teams is going to get out ahead and slow it down, um, which 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 would be interesting. Um, okay, Friday. Let, let's go through these quickly. SMU going to Tulane. Tulane blown out after covering the first half, as I said the other day, um, against uh, against Houston, who also plays on Friday. Um, you know, six and a half points uh, spread. Total on this game, 65. We do see some value on the under. But, Ben, do you want to ever get in front of an SMU under? 
No, I mean, it's not exactly a fun like, thing. I have sweated out one or two of them, but it's not a, It's not an enjoyable process, I would say, for sure. Yeah. This market movement has been kind of interesting. So SMU crossed over from a 7.5-point opening favorite down to 6.5. I'm not entirely sure why. I guess that's a little bit perplexing to me from that market movement because Michael Pratt's taken over for Tulane on the green wave. He's got a little bit of a gunslinger as well. I think he averages 13.8 average depth of target. Um, decent big-time throw, but... He's a guy, I don't know if I'm necessarily, you know, we have enough information to really project out how well he's going to perform here coming up against SMU. So I guess that would be the only reason why I would potentially lean towards uh, the under. But I think if I was playing it from that perspective, maybe I would just be on Tulane's team total under or something like that as another derivative bet option. Yeah, I, I might just take, given on the, what you just talked about, I, I might just go with Boucher and company and take minus six and a half and hope it gets back up. Uh, maybe that money at the beginning of the week was dumb money to sort of entice, you know, people to, to think that that was the move and then, you know, come back yeah. over the top on SMU on the road in a year yeah, I mean, where have, yeah. in a year where there hasn't been a whole lot of home field advantage. Um, SMU is getting the majority of the cash here. Uh, ticket splits are about even. Um, we generally want to look at the cash, right, because those are the big betters, generally speaking, the sharper yeah. groups. Um, yeah, anytime we see a significant difference between the two like it is in this game it definitely has like probably a worthwhile signal as far as what direction the actual market is leading so that's why the spread movement for this game has kind of been a little bit perplexing but yeah, i do agree i think if we bought in six and a half here for SME, we could see that move back out to seven again by game time that's kind of you know it seems to happen sometimes when there's not really a consensus number at first we kind of maybe gravitate towards that opening line later in the week when some more big action is allowed basically so Yep. Okay. Um, and lastly, for the you know pre-Saturday games, BYU, who we had an edge on their opponent, UTSA, plus 35, and then under. And that, to me, Ben, after sweating out the noon games, getting UTSA to the window really comfortably on, <laughs> in the middle games was quite nice, especially when we had also a, an under ticket. Um, they're five-point favorites in Houston, the team that just blew out Tulane. Houston was a cacophony of errors in that first half that really led to laying you know sort of stay around there um so that was that was rough um but at the same time um you know here we go with uh you know with with houston here um you know sort of like i said still uh you know still you know a team with you know i think an explosive offense um you know uh, stevenson i think is a really good receiver even though he fumbled the other day um, what do you think on here? I mean, there uh, a vast majority of the tickets here have been on the under. We've seen it go, go down a point, a point and a half. Um, what do you think about this game uh, as we're trending towards Saturday? Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. We were kind of away from BYU last week. I was a little bit nervous uh, just trying to understand basically why we were so off in the market um, from BYU. So it was kind of nice to see that they actually kind of performed what we had expected as opposed to what the market had expected. So I do feel like our modeling at least this week um, has a more accurate representation of what BYU is actually capable of. So from that regard, I do kind of like BYU in this situation. I do think that um, this is another time where they might be bought up more later in the week and we could see this line move. So just from a line movement perspective, I do think there might be a little bit of value on minus five for BYU. And we do have them as a much better team according to our ELO ranking and our opponent adjusted offensive grades. There's like a significant gap between these yep. two teams here in 2020 as well. So just from that perspective, I do lean towards BYU. 
Um, the under, again, maybe BYU is just a little bit slower paced than what the market currently has priced because that's something that we've been on the past two weeks as well. Um, but if I was playing it, maybe you're looking more towards, you know, a Houston under team total or something like that just with how well we have BYU's uh, opponent-adjusted defensive ranking up there as well. Yeah, I, I, I just took BYU minus three first half. I feel like that's maybe a good number to get um, here. Uh, on a on a good team you know very good BYU team who I think moves the ball really well UTSA I think was probably a a look ahead much like you know Tennessee was for Buffalo and, and the Vegas Raiders were for Kansas City okay in the sake of brevity let's talk about one game that you like in the Saturday slate you write a great column last week was two and one um and you, yeah, I mean, you just do a great job of covering college football. Um, we'll give you a taste of that on this in this podcast. And then, if you want more, read Ben's articles on PFF.com. What's one game? If you had to boil it down to one game for our listeners here on this Tuesday, what game would you would you want to talk about? Ooh, that is a good question. There are a lot of high quality games here. Um, there's a few. I think I might go a little bit more under the radar. I do kind of like South Carolina Gamecocks, of course, going up against Auburn in. In South Carolina, three-point favorites for the road um, for the road team Auburn. Basically, at this point, we've kind of been off Bo Nix for essentially his entire career. Uh, the spread has moved down basically, so we don't really offer too much value at the three. But I am kind of leaning towards this money line bet, uh, plus one forty for the market. Our odds are, our odds are a little bit better than that. So I think um, if this line stays at three, I think South Carolina is definitely uh, a worthwhile play here. I am a bit big fan of Shy Smith, so I do think that. Uh, the Gamecocks are probably able to uh, be pretty effective against uh, Auburn defense that I don't see as necessarily as good as what probably the market sees at this point. I think we have them fourth overall in our defensive rank, and I still there's a little, think there's a little bit of bias to how good people used to perceive them actually to be um, in that regard. So I don't really think they're probably as top level of a unit as what they're currently giving credit for. So I do expect the Gamecocks to be able to move the football. I do think this is probably going to come down uh, close to a one-possession game. And I think just... In general, I think backing, uh, you know, slight dogs on the money line is probably the appropriate play as opposed to just taking them on the spread here, especially in 2020. It seems like that's kind of been the profitable position for our green line bets and wagers and things where we've kind of picked up the majority of our units. So that's kind of the angle that I'm looking at here on Saturday. Yeah, Bo Nix, less than a 25 passer rating when pressured. Um, Three and a half percent of his plays have been turnover worthy, and that has been against some weaker opponents. Um, Seth Williams, a very good receiver for Auburn, um, but South Carolina, um, you know, a top, uh, half of the SEC uh, defense. Uh, also, South Carolina, less than 1% uh, of their passing attempts have been, uh, you know, uh, turnover worthy. 0.1 uh, EPA per pass play versus a negative 0.04 for Auburn. Um, this is a bad Auburn offense. And, you know, the total here on the game, 51 and a half, um, you know, it might even be. Um, you know, a game I would consider teasing in a college football just because, uh, you know, you can get that through three and seven with a total of 51 and a half. I, I like the money line play better, but that's, again, if you're, if you're thinking about just, you know, some exotics, you know, Big Ten football's not here yet, but, um, but this might offer some value there. Um, really cool stuff, Ben. Uh, this is so much fun. You know, college football, you know, we weren't expecting to get it. Now we have it. And, uh, the NFL gave us a treat by Tuesday Night Football. Now we get four straight days of college football, uh, and I'm hoping that we gave you guys some betting advice to chew on. Um, for Ben Brown, I'm Eric Eager. 
Uh, good luck to you all and uh, enjoy the rest of the week.